Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the State of Play podcast, episode 76. Sitting in the hosting chair is me, Matt Santangelo. Joining me, of course, as always, is Martino Puccio. We have Pet. Yeah, he's, he, he, every once in a while, he shows up and he delivers a 10 out of 10 performance. But um, yeah, he's, he's not here for this one. He, we're, we're riding a, a two-man show here, but show must go on. Martino, how are you doing? Not bad, not bad. Um, you know, Pet is just becoming his mortal en- enemy, and that's just Mesut Ozil, and he just likes to show up when he pleases. Um, you know, I think it. You know, winning that second FCA award is starting to get to his head, man. I don't. I don't think he. Um, I don't think he takes it seriously anymore. I think he's. Uh, I think he's just a one-trick pony. He shows up when he wants to, puts in that performance. But um, you know, it is what it is, Pet. You know. You're hearing this. You're listening. So you know, know what listening. the deal is, even though he's still messaging us in the chat. Yeah, he's, he's, hey, he's, he's, yeah. yeah, he's messaging us while we're recording here uh, about some some current events and some issues he had this morning, which is letting you know, obviously why he's not here with us. But we're going to keep this thing rolling. Uh, once again, episode 76, we're, uh, we're, we're, we're grateful for everyone who tuned in to our live stream this past week with uh, Maxi, who has been on as a guest a couple times, as well as Harry and Pet. So that's in our pinned. Make sure you guys go check that out and, and check out some of our previous episodes. We've had some great guests on, of course, Harry Brooks, uh, as I mentioned, for his second episode. For that was episode 75. And before then, we had Matteo Bonetti. So a lot of great guests. Uh, keep, we're going to keep this thing rolling. If there's any other guests specifically that you guys would like to see us have on, please make sure you guys tag us on uh, Twitter, DM us, Facebook, Instagram, whatever the case is. We'll make sure we can make it happen for you. Can't guarantee Fabrizio Romano. He's not answering our messages right now, but he's a busy man, so I can understand that. But anyway, Martino, we're going to keep this thing rolling. Um, A a lot to talk about in this episode, of course. Um, This is after the transfer window had shut around Europe. Um, a, a lot of movement, yes. Um, not necessarily these big seismic type transfers that you know we've maybe seen in previous windows, but a, a lot of player movement uh, deals that can definitely help sway um, title races, which we'll talk about with uh, with Liverpool and some of the acquisitions they made and they they needed to make um, with AC Milan and, and really just kind of around Europe. So um, let's start off with the moves that Liverpool made on deadline day of course they've been depleted out the back with Virgil van Dijk uh Joel Matip uh unlikely to to even return to action this year as reported by or as as quoted by Jurgen Klopp uh, they go out there they get Ben Davies they also add uh, Ozan Kabak from Schalke who um, was a Milan target at one point and of course with Schalke sitting in a cellar in the Bundesliga uh, they really didn't have that much leverage they had to move a player on of course Liverpool need to re-bolster, and they're still in the title race. So uh, give me your thoughts on what Liverpool did on deadline day with those two players. Do you think it's enough for them to last the rest of the season, maybe repeat as champions, or do you think it's going to be um, a little bit slim pickings for them and it's something that they're going to have to um, really grind out if they want to win the title? I think this is strictly a move that prevents a, a potential risk of missing a Champions League spot. I genuinely believe that. I think the league is so close this year. I think there's a lot of teams that are still in the mix. Obviously, um, that's been well documented. I don't think a lot of the teams have the quality that you would expect. They still grind out the results. Like getting that result against Spurs this past week was huge for them. Um, You know, again, we talked about how Man United, they they blew that opportunity against Liverpool as well with that 0-0 draw. They're just eking out results that'll have them up near the top of the table. 
I don't think this was enough to put them over the top. I think right now what Fenway saw, Fenway Sports Group saw, and, you know, what Liverpool needed and what Jurgen Klopp wanted was that all their massive injuries are at center back. There's no doubt. There's no denying it. Van Dyke's out. Joe Gomez, Matt Tip. I mean, the list goes on and on for them. And what you're looking at it potentially is, okay, not only are star players having some massive injuries that not necessarily threatening their careers because we've seen players come back from torn ACLs and stuff like that, even though Joe Gomez is, is, you know, that could be a whole podcast. Uh, I don't know if you've seen any of the pictures of his knee. It looks like it, it, it's just like, you know, not something that'll hold up for a long time, but that's strictly me speculating. I think this is a move that is, you know, you can't be short-sighted. You know, if Fenway didn't invest in a center back at this point, they risked the potential of not making top four. And we know all of the potential, you know, downfalls of not making the Champions League, regardless if it's just one season. The the trickle-down effect of it, not having that income on top of the pandemic issues already, it could have been a long-standing effect. And you never know how Virgil van Dyke could respond to the, his injury. You never know how, you know, Joe Gomez is going to be again or how Matt Tip will be again. You know, they needed to make a move. And Kabak coming in here, listen, I, don't, I think that fee is very high. I think potential for 30 million euros or, um, is what I saw. I think there was a lot of other center backs out there that you could, you know, go look at and potentially go and grab. I think with Schalke's, you know, situation where they're fighting near the relegation zone battle that you're talking about, he's had um, issues in terms of, you know, spitting towards another player, getting suspended for that. Um, so there's character issues in that as well. For me, it was more desperation. Like Liverpool had to make this move. It's not that they absolutely wanted to make this move. We know they've been linked with Kabak. That's been a Milan thing as well. And it wasn't even just this transfer window. I think Liverpool had to do this. Um, You know, Ben Davies, you know, you need to get depth, man. We talked about it. We talked about um, Jurgen Klopp's situation and how he always talks about there's so many competitions. This was a a move that Liverpool had to make. They did make it. Whether or not um, it's a home run like the Van Dyke signing, doubtful. But it puts a warm body in there for now. He's capable. He's played at the top level. He's still a talented player. And you would think that if anybody's able to get out of uh, anything out of a young, talented player that goes on Kabak and put him in an environment that's, you know, a very strong environment in Liverpool, it would be them and, and Jurgen Klopp. So, I mean, they did what they had to do. I don't think it's a 10 out of 10 transfer. I think it has the potential to be that if he reaches that, because we know um, what Kabak is, but yeah, I mean, this was just, they had to make this move. That's simply what it is for me. And the Ben Davies one, you know, good, like good. He's not, he's nothing otherworldly, but again, I trust Liverpool and their scouting and, and the types of players that they like to bring in. With Kabak, I, um, it's, it's, it's funny how things work, right? Because I think, and this was me I'm not even knowing what the developments were going to be. I, I, I tweeted something out on my, on my personal account and pretty much saying it's kind of strange to see the Kabak interests go very cold lately because at the beginning of the window and even in the buildup to the window, Martino, we heard Liverpool, we heard Milan, we heard, you know, there's going to be possibly a, 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 a battle for his signature because I think he was that sought after despite some of the things you mentioned, right? Shaka's positioning, uh, disciplinary issues, some, some maturity issues with Kabak as a player, obviously very 
very gifted and, and has a lot of potential. And then it kind of went cold for a while. So I, I, I wonder if their stance and you could see the, the, back, the, the back end of that potential, uh, you know, purchase that, that that can make it permanent for them, which I think, again, it would be around 30 million euro. I, I saw some different numbers, but I think that's the number we're going to roll with here. It has a lot of upside in that because I think it may not completely fracture what they're looking to do in the summer as far as maybe other talents. Again, you got to get there, right? You got to get to the summer. You got to get top four. Those things are come first before anything else in the summer. But I think if you look at Kabak's upside, he's going to be thrown into the fire. There's a baptism by fire here with Klopp, obviously with the injury crisis they have in defense. So he's going to get the opportunity to really prove whether or not he is that type of, of, of central defenders, uh, central defensive prospect, excuse me. But when I look at this entire situation for Liverpool, I think they're, yes, very slim. Yes, they have that, that, that potential to, to really lose out on top four and lose out on some of their objectives because of just that injured back line. But I think at the same time, you look at some of the players in their squad. I think Salas hit stride right now. He's looked very good. Um, and even just up and down, I think they're a team that is rallying around their manager. I think will could potentially use this sort of injury um, crisis that they have as a, as a sort of a, a coming together moment, if you will, right? I think we always look at, you know, uh, these certain defining moments in a season that can really either set you back or you can rise above it and you can, you can build off that. And I think this is something that could come out of it. Davies is going to be asked to come in and, and you're starting for Liverpool. You're going to be starting a substantial amount of games. Same thing with Kabak. So it's going to be interesting to see how they get on. It's going to be fascinating to see what sort of affect Klopp's hands, his, his day-to-day um, you know, training, coaching of these individuals can help with them. Right, because we, we we've seen that many times where players have have issues elsewhere. They're they're really raw in certain respects, but then they go to a nice manager, a nice system. They're playing at Anfield, and they're looking at this, and they're thinking, "Well, I'm at I'm at Liverpool in the middle of a potential title race here. Like I'm I'm in a really good opportunity." And some people either seize it, or some some people either falter. So we'll have to wait and see how that plays out with Liverpool. But um, I, I want to talk a little bit about some of the other. Uh, I guess moves that were made in the Premier League, and then we'll at the end we'll talk about some of the, the I guess the the moves that stood out for you across Europe, and some of the ones that you maybe weren't too high on. Um, we mentioned off the top, or we mentioned before we even went live, Martino, about Minamino going to Southampton on loan. Mm. Not too long ago, this was a player that Liverpool were very shrewd in snapping up very quickly. He had a really literally good... a year ago, right? Yeah, literally <laughs> a year ago after a, after a really strong performance against Liverpool in the Champions League for Salzburg. And then he kind of just got lost in the mix. He didn't get a lot of opportunities to play, but now he goes on to Southampton, a team that obviously Liverpool have done quite a bit of business with in, in, in previous years. So give me your thoughts on the Minamino to Southampton situation. Do you think this can have a big impact for what they're doing? Do you think this is something that could potentially become permanent? Or do you think it's something where they're going to get Minamino for six months, he's going to just get those reps in, and then Liverpool are banking on him coming back and playing a role next season? Yeah, see, I think that that's the exact way to look at it is that this kid needed playing time. Like, there's no there's there's no denying it. If you're at a club for over a year now where we have a condensed schedule and it's kind of hard for you to break in, get used to the system. And this isn't this isn't strictly new for Liverpool, right? Like we've seen a few of their players have some, you know, difficulties sticking through the squad or adapting to the system. I, I believe Nabi Keita is like another one of those. I know there's been like injuries there too, but you know, it's still another high profile ish 
player, you know, that was, you know, lauded for that move. There's talent there, obviously. Um, yeah, look, Southampton to to Liverpool is what Sassuolo is to Juve, right? I mean, like, there's obviously a connection there. There's there's players there that go for growth and, and to develop as players. You know, Southampton is a quality place, and, you know, you need you need playing time. At the end of the day, I do agree with, you know, people who go out there and say, oh, it's always nice to be a part of a club, get that experience, um, being a part of a first team, seeing how things work from top to bottom, um, getting adapted to the system, getting better with uh, the players you train with every single day. I believe that's true. But at the end of the day, the best way to get better and the best way to improve is simply by playing, by learning in-game situations, by adapting to the Premier League, right? No disrespect to Salzburg and how great of a system that they have over there. Um, you need to play in the Premier League. It's a different animal. Everyone knows it. Um, so so at the end of the day, I think Minamino clearly needed this because, as you mentioned, this has been a year now. This, you know, if, you, if you're not making strides or get making extra leaps – to get better. And it's not to say it's his fault. Um, you know, just the situation is difficult. It's a very, very, very good squad. It's one of the best in the world. One of the four best teams in the world for sure. Um, and right now he, he needs that experience because at this point, if he's just going to be sitting on the bench and nothing is really changing in that environment and situation, then kind of what's the point of Liverpool having him. So get that opportunity, play there for a few months, come back in the summer, see what happens, and then move from there. Um, you know, because if he's productive, great. He comes back, plays for Liverpool. If not, you know, maybe he gets sold. Maybe he stays there even longer, um, you know, because there, it's not the end of the world to get loaned out. I, I just think, like, the perception of loans for younger players who made a big, high-profile move to a massive club like Liverpool, everyone thinks you're done for, right? Like, that's it. That's the end of your career there. It's not necessarily true. There, there's been plenty of examples of players going out on loan, returning, doing great. Alvaro Morata is one of them, Matt, that we've have seen personally. Even if we want to go back years ago with Suso and Milan going out to loan on Genoa, coming back and being a mainstay within the squad. Not to say he'll be a mainstay in the squad, but you can grow and you can fix your situation. Um, I think it was clearly needed. Maybe the jump was a little too big. So good for him. He's a talented player. I think Southampton's a pretty good spot for him to go to. We'll see what happens. I mean, you never know sometimes. You never know. And sticking with the, the transfer theme, because there was a lot, of, um, a lot of movement, which, you know, obviously, uh, you know, I, just a simple look through of Romano's uh, timeline can tell you that there was plenty of activity on deadline day. Um, one of the names that I found to be uh, very interesting and want to focus on the rest of the way uh, as far as transfers go, um, would be Joshua Xerxy going to Parma from Bayern Munich on loan with a buy option of 15 million euro. Um, as you can hear my dogs in the background, they're giving their, their opinion. Go at it. Go at it. Yeah. Um, so that one's a big one for me. I, I think that what Parma are doing uh, under new ownership of Kyle Krause, uh, an American owner, mm. is always really fascinating because I think you know, they're given their position in the table, um, and what they're trying to fight for, where they've come in previous years, right? They had that huge bankruptcy. They had to build from the lowest division possible in Italian football to get back to Serie A. There, there's, there's intent there, right? The Xerxes is a, a nice, nice quality prospect from Bayern Munich, um, which 
they have they seem to have so many of them they just kind of see have a, fa- a talent factory there um that one specifically is one that's going to stand out for me but mm-hmm. there's there's also been plenty of this this window martino that um has so much upside so much um to focus on the second half of the season whether it be in title races with tamori going to milan um, mm. you know, whether it be certain players, as I mentioned, Xerxes going to help possibly Parma get out of the relegation zone. Has there been any moves specifically that have stood out the most for you? It could be purchase deals. It can be great sales, maybe a club capitalizing on, um, the situation of another club in, 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 in a position of need and then getting really max profit on a player. What moves have, have stood out for you in this past window? <sighs> I, listen, I, I don't really care if I sound biased or anything. And it's, you know, two matches in. But the amount that I've seen from Tamori alone, like that's just uh, the getting the option from Chelsea is just fantastic for me. Like, I, I don't really care what you say. Like, Simakin, sure, I really love this potential. I still think he could be a top player one day. But, you know, that's an injury issue there. And, you know, Leipzig coming in, swooping in, great for them. That's what they do. That's what they normally do. For Milan to go get, you know, a player on loan who's 23, kind of nomadic-ish um, with the, within the Chelsea squad, right? Like, you know, Christensen's getting more minutes than him. Um, Thiago Silva's obviously been in there. Like, he's kind of just like that lost player that constantly happens at a club like Chelsea. For me, to just simply get an option there, Keep your opportunities open where, you know, Milan doesn't have guaranteed options, right, for a lot of these guys. We know they're going to stick with the Tonali thing. That's going to be dragged out a little bit. If they make Champions League, they get their money in there. But simply getting a center back that has a profile that they haven't had at the club before, and it's just clearly showing that he has the quality to do it, goes in against Inter, dominates. I like, I don't think dominating was like, you know, they're, they're down a man too. And he's, he's taken on a guy like Lukaku, not scared of the moment. Talk about baptism by fire, stepping up like that, that option, whatever, if it goes upwards of 30 million euros, so what they'll trigger that if they need to. And the wages aren't astronomical. And this is a player that wants to be here. And that's just a type of recruitment that's being shown. And I also like the Brian Reynolds signing. I'll be biased once again with the American from FC Dallas. Um, shout out to Tom Bogart, um, former State of Play guest, friend of ours, um, breaking that news uh, ahead of anyone in the world, which was amazing. I call him the Kylian Mbappe of MLS transfer uh, gurus, and he said he was he was abashed by it, like he didn't he, he kind of brushed it off. And then lo and behold, look what happened. Um, pretty much everyone from the podcast that he came on talking about. Um, has gone on to make bigger moves. Daryl DK, by the way, headed to Barnsley in England. So again, that's a guy that nobody was talking about. Tom Bogart, just want to say, this is state of play stuff. Um, Listen, Brian Reynolds, again, this is just, you know, a player with that upside. Roma, Roma does a decent job recruiting. I don't think it's an awful job. Um, They used to do much better in the past. Monkey obviously ruined that. Um, But listen, anytime you could take a player away from Juve, is a win in my book um, because they still have the talent. Although I don't like really agree with some of the recruitment stuff that's gone down there with them, but taking a talent like that, the upside potential is just fantastic. So for me, awesome to see those two. Um, but yeah, I think Tamori out of all the transfers 
And probably if Arsenal can really stick with Odegaard long-term and he's successful, I think that one probably has the most upside out of all the January transfer moves. But Tamori is right up there too. I, th- I think that's a, a legitimate thing. Like that's, that could be crazy. So, yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, getting back to Reynolds real quick before we move on to some, some other big topics, uh, not transfer related. Um, Brian Reynolds with his move to, to, to AS Roma um, will become or has became now the 54th American to play in Europe's top five leagues, currently playing in top in Europe's top five leagues. So you kind of got a sense of where that sort of shift is, right? When you can play in Europe and you can play at some big clubs, make some notable moves that we've seen with, you know, Reynolds and, you know, getting back to some of the other guys who made moves on deadline day, uh, Chris Richards goes from Bayern Munich to Hoffenheim on them. DeAndre Yedlin goes from Newcastle to Galatasaray. Um, mm. I believe Paul Areola. Um, from DC United to Swansea City. And then there was even some chatter about Aaron Long from from the Red Bulls going to Liverpool at one point. Obviously, that didn't materialize. But you, now you're starting to really get the sense of the type of talent that is coming out of the U.S. And you're seeing it now make its way significantly into Europe. Not just the one-off deals of those players, because we've known that uh, that America has quality. And then there would always be that one or two transfers that's like, wow, like this player's American. He's playing over Europe. You know, Giorania is of the world. The Pulisic's of the world. All these guys, Weston McKennies. You just, the list goes on and on. Tyler Adams. But now you're seeing just like a, like a flood of really quality uh, young American players applying their trade in Europe at some big clubs in some big races in some of the best leagues. So mm-hmm. it really gets goes to show you just how far – American American soccer, American football has come, and it's funny how we we, we speak on this you know quite a bit um, on this episode. But I want to reflect back on what we had with Brian Dunseth you know some some episodes ago where we talked at length about the, the the strength of this American soccer system and what they got coming through the pipeline and what that ultimately will mean for them heading into some big key tournaments coming forward. Um, I'm moving forward, excuse me. So yeah, Reynolds is one to watch for. Um, obviously, he's he's got a, a ton of talent he gets those crosses off early um obviously had plenty of interest from the likes of juve um there were some other clubs around europe as well some really big clubs that wanted him so when you when roma are able to snap him up at a relatively you know, good fee um i know he's 19 years old and he still has to prove himself in europe but the talent's there it's just a matter of him getting those reps a great fee for dallas by the way yeah uh, uh, absolutely i think dallas are We've, we spoke about it with Tom. They, they have one of the best systems. They churn out so many premium it's talents. It blows my mind yeah, it's it's... Texas. really does. <laughs> Clint Dempsey's <laughs> from there. But I mean, like, if you know the culture over here in America, just seeing, like, te- Texas is fantastic with sports, high school, like, youth level. But it's just, just, like, the general perception of it and then them being, like, a juggernaut of talent is just mm-hmm. amazing. It really is. It just, I just yeah, had to say that, you know, it's just no, funny. it's, it's almost like a, it's a, it's like a hub. I think you, you hit the nail on the head. If you're someone who's familiar with NFL or, you know, some of these other major uh, U S sports, it's always feels as though the biggest prospects to come out in, into the drafts and go to these you know, big, it's like California, Florida, Texas. Yeah. It, I mean, New York, a little East coast, but overall you feel like nah, Texas we don't has do the most anymore. No, with basketball, <laughs> I would say a lot of basketball players, but we used to, we used yeah, to, but that's, to. I, that, that's, that's beside the point. We'll, 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 we'll try to <laughs> move on here with the transfers, but of course, um, definitely some, some big names to keep an eye on coming out of America. But Martino, let's move on to some really big topics, of course, some that have broken and developed uh, since our last recording last week. Um, the first one, 
<laughs> Lionel Messi's contract, right? All the numbers have come out, the financials. Oh, yeah, um, we all know we're at least somewhat aware of Barcelona's current situation financially. Um, Messi's potential move that, that, um, that nearly materialized last summer. Um, the issues with their with the president and and, and just the, it's been a mess for them. It's been a, 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 a awful 2020 and early 2021 here. These financials are daunting, not because Messi's not deserving of being paid this handsomely and 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 being paid amongst the best in world football because he just is that special, that prolific, that high of caliber of a player. But Martino. When you saw these numbers, and I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, I'm not going to go too much into things. That's 555 million euros in four years. <laughs> it's 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 it. alarming, <laughs> and when you when it, it's it's crazy too because I think over everyone with at least some sort of grasp on transfers, on wages, on revenue, the basic maybe standard economics of of the game will tell you, like, wait a second, like how did Barcelona keep being able to pay? hundred million for a Dembele or a, a, a Griezmann, Griezmann and all these players Coutinho. and Coutinho and they're not really getting the most out of them, but then just being able to just continue on and go out there and get more guys and, and all that stuff. And I think it's a you know quick little nod to soccernomics. If you want to learn more about what clubs make their financials, their, their balance sheets, all that, the ins and outs of that and the effects that has definitely go pick up that book. And that's a lot of things that I've learned. Um, from that book, but Martino, when you first saw these numbers, you first saw the the leak, if you will, um, because that's what's kind of being framed as. It's a leak, right? Mm-hmm. All the information that, that Messi's, you know, pretty much about on the financial side. What were your initial react? What were your initial thoughts to that? I think I just said ban them. I mean, like I said, ban the club from Europe. Like just just do it. Just, like enough. Like it's it's really tiring that we're sitting here looking at all these other clubs personally that we root for and within the same city within the same leagues um that just the rules don't apply to barcelona the same that they do for these other teams oh it's a transfer ban here chelsea has to go get a transfer ban where where they had their issues right you know another high profile club manchester city slap on the wrist they appeal it to the to the court of appeals all of a sudden it's not that big of a deal we're, we're sitting here talking about a club that has a history of this. This isn't the first offense, right? How many times do we have to sit down and talk about Barcelona? It's just like, oh, there's some issues here. Dating back to when I was in high school, right? I'm going to be turning 26 next month. These issues go back to when Neymar transferred from Brazil all the way over to Barcelona um, back in the early 2010, in the, in the earlier uh, part of the decade, or last decade. There was third-party payments that were not listed. The Art of Turan transfer. We're getting players in here from Barcelona where they're just sacking managers like it's their job. We're getting players getting paid astronomical wages that other clubs simply can't afford, but somehow Barcelona is able to for whatever reason. They're playing the same exact competitions. Sure, they're making more money in shirt sales here and there because they have the most popular player in the world and, and more popular players as well. You know, ticket sales, Camp Nou, we know how many uh, fans you could fit in there the TV money that you make from going further into the competition that is the Champions League, how much money you make simply from being the biggest league in the world in La Liga, you know, it all adds up. But at the end of the day, it really doesn't. And it's been obvious. It's been clear as day. Everybody freaking knows it. And, and the part that pisses me off the most, Matt, is that, you know, people just be like, oh, this is just, you know, Barcelona, 
you know, poor them. Like, look at what's happening to the club. This is all self-inflicted. This is everything that's happened to them is self-inflicted. Every single time that you mentioned the players that they brought in on high, high transfers, they've done a poor job of every single aspect that this club from top to bottom getting in the wrong directors, having a worse use system, um, from La Masia that used to be way better. Who have they really put out that's that great? Maybe Ansu Fati after years. A lot of these other players are highly overrated. This isn't what was happening in the, in the 2000s where you're churning out all these golden age prospects. And that was that was not sustainable over the course of time anyways, right? You're not going to continuously produce Xavi's Iniesta's of the world. You know, the Fabregas, the Piquets, the Messi's, for example. Like, that's not going to happen. That's not going to continue. And then on top of it, you're paying a guy... By the way, this is Messi is not at fault here. When you were offered a contract by the club, it is not his job to know the financial issues, quote unquote, um, that the club has. His job is to go in there, play football, be the best footballer in the world, which he has done ever since he's been brought up. He's been one of the five best footballers, at least one of the three best players in the world since what, 2008-ish? around there. I think that's a fair time to say. So we're talking about someone that's had longevity that's only rivaled by Cristiano Ronaldo, right? His main rival, who's also only two years older. So the timeline's a little different. Like, what do you want this guy to do? You want this guy to not accept that money. And then when he gives you the potential to give him an out to sell him for at least 100 million euros, and then get him off the books, what does this club do? They sit there idly by and they have, you know, this issue with the biggest player in their club's history. And now they're wallowing away in fourth place. They have players that are not playing up to their potential increasement. Coutinho, they haven't resolved that situation. Dembele's doing terrible. And what does Messi do to answer all of this? He goes out and scores a banger of a free kick, where he scored 21 free kicks, which is more than anyone. It's more than it's almost triple of the second guy since 2018. And that's just that. That's not even the assists. That's not even the open play goals that he's doing. It's not even him dragging them. It's a Champions League contention where... His teammates and defenses are blowing all these leads. This is simply a Barcelona issue. And you know what? UEFA has to put their foot down because this is a precedent that needs to be set, Matt. You need to make an example of Barcelona and ban them from European competition. They need to be banned from the transfer market from being able to make uh, purchases. Um, And even if, if they need to make purchases, limited to a transfer fee of 50 million euros. Zero Bosman transfer fees allowed to come in as well. Um, Put a restriction on the wages that they could offer for certain players. They need to get this figured out because at the end of the day, it's still a loss for the whole sport if Barcelona is not in these competitions. But come on now. When Milan were having their issues, when Inter were having their issues, where Chelsea were having their issues, even Roma for example, too, as well, right? We could even go back to that club. We could go back. There's other Bundesliga's uh, squads that we could talk about. Ligue this is, this is an issue trickling down, and we can't have a club like this who is worse than them all, where the debts that we saw are over a billion euros. It was 1.2 billion euros was the last number that I saw. If we don't make an example of it now in Bantam, when are we ever going to do it? Because if we don't do it now, we're never going to. And if those rules don't apply, then everyone's got an issue. And then I don't think anyone should follow the rules. Because if the rules don't apply for everyone, why the fuck should any other club follow it? It's bullshit. It's bullshit. Because at the end of the day, it's not fair that Barcelona can keep getting away with stuff like this. And it's not to say they completely get away with all of this. The rules are bent for them. And it's clear as day. The rules are bent for a Manchester City as well. It's not fair 
It's not fair. This isn't a level playing field. And the fact that it's not a level playing field is straight up bullshit. And it's, and it's an indictment on the game and the sport. It's an indictment on UEFA. It's an indictment on Barcelona. It's an indictment on La Liga. Like, how do you allow this to happen? And then Messi is not at fault here. None of the players are at fault. This comes down to the people that were running the club at Barcelona. It always starts from the top, Matt. And when a fish rots, it rots from the head down. So for me, it's pretty fucking obvious what the issue is here. And if nobody wants to figure it out, then you just ban them. Because that's, that's what has to happen. And regardless if Barcelona wants to apologize, admit these mistakes, whatever, they shouldn't be in the Champions League next year. I don't care what anyone tells me. You are not allowed in that competition. Give it to the fifth place team or whoever finishes above them or below them in the standings for La Liga. They should not be in there. Even if they make it to Europa League, they should not be in there. They should be stuck on a transfer ban. They should be forced to make sales. They should be forced to have new directors in there. This is a bullshit issue that did not have to drag on as long as this did because now we're all looking at a situation where one of the biggest clubs in the world is on the brink of bankruptcy and we're going to have to be making one of the greatest players out to be a villain when he shouldn't be. And I'm making it clear that this podcast isn't. I'm making it clear that I'm not. And you could obviously speak for yourself right now, but this is ridiculous. It's gone on for too long. And and this is not something that just started as soon as, you know, Messi wanted to leave last year. This think, has been going on for this, years. I think with this situation too, there's a couple ways I can see this going. Um, one way is I can see, Right, Messi following through with his transfer, him leaving, um, because I think that the fact of the matter is he's not getting any younger. Yes, he still has plenty, plenty to offer. He's still a great player, despite the numbers not showing that he's having the season he's known to have. He can leave, and I, I, he doesn't know Barcelona anything else. He's given them so much. He's given them everything. He's given them silverware. He's given them memories that 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 last a lifetime, last a generation, or. He can he can stay and try and do something to 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 effectively be a leader in a really difficult situation or a, a, a hero in a difficult situation. And the reason why I'd say there's two different ways that this can go, and and ultimately two different ways that it could be perceived by by those outside Barcelona, is that let's say he leaves, people are going to look at him and say you're leaving Barcelona in this situation given the money that you made, given everything that this club has given to you, you're going to leave them in this, in their time of, of ruin, right? There's people that, there's people that feel that way. They feel that sense of entitlement, that they're entitled to a player, that the player owes them something because the club has given them so much and vice versa. Or he has a, he has, a, he has out, he has the best out possible in saying, Hey, look, I wanted to leave. I tried to leave last summer. I stayed, you didn't, you didn't let me leave. So I stayed another year. It's gotten worse, progressively worse. There's no grasp on the squad as far as the results. The top to bottom, this thing is not operating the way it should. It's it's a really awful situation to be in. And then he could say, I'm going to leave. This is the time to leave. Barcelona's finished pretty much. Not finished, but you get the sense of where I'm, get, where I'm, where I'm going with that, right? Uh, no, you know, no one no one will really know. No one really knows what the future is going to hold for Barcelona. And it's clear cut the end of an era for Messi at Barcelona. So now would be the time to leave. You Right? There's no better time to leave than now for him. 
you, we could we could touch on it last last summer, and everyone was like, eh, "This is a good time to leave." For all parties like, last summer, now it's strictly it's the best for Messi. Right, right? now for, it's for like him, the it's worst just, for Barca. It's like, all right, I got to get out of here. But you could see how he can how this can be framed because all the media does is frame things to fit a narrative. So mm-hmm. they can either they can either paint him as a a, a, a someone who's abandoning ship in, in Barcelona's worst times, or he could stay and it's this and he's making so much money. He owes and them nothing them down. either. I think for me, he's gone. Mm-hmm. I don't see any place here where he stays. I don't see any scenario where Because he's going to have to take a pay cut, Matt. A pay cut from it's 500 pay, million. It's not even the... But, 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 <laughs> well, but to like, help you know, him. Just to even help him if you not, were to stay. But it's not even the pay cut. It's not even the pay cut, Martino, because if you look at it, I mean, the guy's got money. Financially, no, of course. Sad. I'm saying, like, even if he wanted to try and help, even if he like, wanted to to stay, what's their positioning? What's their approach to getting guys around him? Right? Because you mentioned if they face just serious bans, if there's there's bankruptcy, again, things are still playing out. We have to see how this plays out, right? But ultimately, there is no better time than now for Lionel Messi to leave Barcelona. And I couldn't, and I I couldn't fathom thinking that last summer when I thought now is the time. Now is the time he's going to leave. It's time to go. It's not working out. It's the end of an era, the end of a cycle. Got to do, have new ambitions, new goals, new challenges elsewhere. Make that move. And he obviously stayed in credit to him for staying and trying to make it work. But it's quite clear the performances on the field haven't been the same. Off the field, Barcelona are a mess financially from their, their brand, their image, their, the, the way they're perceived now with all this thing, these things hanging over them. So we'll have to wait and see how this plays out. Of course, we're always going to be talking about what's going on with Messi and, and Ronaldo and some of these biggest stars, because obviously we know how big their fan bases are and how much the uh, football world revolves around them. But speaking of Barcelona, because I think there's obviously was potential of a, of a reunion between Messi and Neymar. Neymar is set to extend at PSG. Uh, I think it's until 2025, if I'm correct. That's, that's, that's the, that's the year correct. of that's yes. the contract I'm, mm-hmm. I'm reading right now. I think there was one point in time where I think people thought that maybe Barcelona were going to make one last ditch attempt. All right, let's see if we can keep Messi here. Let's get Neymar. Let's bring him back. And it kind of felt like, you know, when, when, when Neymar was speaking about this, I think when they played in the champions league, he's like, I would love to reunite with Messi. And maybe people were thinking, well, he'll go back to Barcelona. But in actuality, I think people were saying, Maybe he's going to go to PSG, right? <laughs> because of this, this team that they're trying to build, the ambitions that they're trying to have, the, the 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 trophies that they're trying to obtain. So, I think this is a clear clear indication of a pivot from Neymar yeah. and his camp, right? Because I think he's looking around Europe and he's looking at the obviously the, the current financial situation as a result of COVID mm-hmm. and thinking, where else am I going to go? I'm not going back to Barcelona. Real Madrid, obviously, that's probably not going to happen. That's not a move that I don't think he's, he's not going to pull or, a Figo. No way. Right. And then you look at some of the other clubs that could potentially afford a Neymar, his wages, a fee. Literally one things. other club. Right. There's really no other where what other place for him to go but commit his next handful of years to PSG. That's at least how I see it. That's the first part. The second part is, yeah. does this mean that maybe Mbappe is going to be gone in a couple of years and Neymar is going to be the face of PSG? Because you can make a case, Martina, right now. Yes, we know Neymar was the first acquisition, but maybe everyone was thinking that potentially Mbappe would be the face, right? He'd be the guy, but it's clear, it's clear to me. I don't know how clear it is to you that I don't see Mbappe being here that much longer. He's a player that obviously he was, you know, he has, I think, no, listen, there's, there's obviously an attachment to Paris, the city, you know, ever all these players have egos, right? They all like to be the big, 
big man on campus, the big part, the big face of a big project and be at the heart of a potential big dynasty. Um, but I think it's clear that Mbappe does want to play for uh, a Real Madrid or, or, you know, there's been links to Liverpool. So uh, let, let me hear your, your overall thoughts and reaction to Neymar. Again, it's not confirmed, confirmed, but committing to PSG. Do yeah. you think that, because I think there was a part in time too, Martino, where there was a lot of people down on him, right? The injuries, he wasn't able to stay healthy. Mbappe comes in. He was the PSG's it guy, the face of that club, scoring the goals, this global young superstar. And now I think there's kind of a sense where maybe Neymar can can turn this thing and maybe get back to what he once was at Barcelona. What are your thoughts on this? I think it's nice to see a commitment like that. Like it just wasn't some money move to PSG. And I never really thought that. I always thought initially the move from Neymar uh, from Barcelona to PSG was strictly him wanting to be his own guy and him knowing that he is good enough to win a Champions League as the best player on a squad. I do, I do believe that. I don't think PSG was really that kind of squad built as one. I know they made the Champions League final. I, I never loved the structure that they're going with. I kind of still don't love it. Um, but that's really, I guess, personal beef with me and Leonardo. For me, I think it's nice to see. He isn't as young as we would like to think. He also has an injury history. Um, but for me, I think for football, I think this helps parity. I think it's nice to see a team like Ligun, uh, a PSG in Ligun, to, to keep a player of this stature. For me, obviously, the Mbappe situation was, you know, we feel destiny calling with Real Madrid. Who knows when that'll happen? They're in disarray. Matt, and that's another topic that we're probably going to have to save for next episode after the Levante debacle. Looks like Atletico is really on its way to winning that league. Um, so for me, you know, this this is a great move for them. I think it keeps their options open. I think there's probably going to be some sales. I think there's going to be some legitimate sales. Whether or not Liverpool jump in, I don't know. Given the current situation with that Matip thing, they had the option with Kabak. Um, they could gear up for it. They could. I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Mbappe would go there. I think it would really be, um, you know, a Real Madrid thing. There's no teams in Italy that'll be coming down to that. So for me, you know, Neymar resign, resigning there would be great um, for, for football in general. I think it's probably the best move for his career. I don't really think he could really go anywhere else. Manchester City, like, I don't, I don't see that Manchester City thing. I think if Manchester City is going after a high, high-profile player anytime soon, I think it would be messy, um, logistically. Um, and, hey, um, long-term commitment, maybe he knows something we don't. Maybe he's been talking to Messi on the side, saying, hey, there's an opportunity. You want to come to PSG, you know, Mbappe leaves. At the end of the day, like, Matt, would you rather – if you're PSG, keep Mbappe extended, but you don't get Leo Messi, or you risk the potential of Mbappe leaving, but you bring in Messi. I don't know. For me, for me, I think that's a situation that we ha- we're going to have to monitor. This isn't the last time we'll be talking about it. But for me, initially, Neymar staying with PSG, good thing for football, good thing for PSG, great for Ligue 1, um, to keep its biggest star 
Yeah, I mean, listen, there's I don't think there's any downside to this. It, it is what it is at this point, you know? Like, there's, a, there's nothing – I kind of expected this. I'll be honest with you. I expected Neymar to stay. Mbappe stuff, that's what I'm really interested in down the road. But as of now, good move for PSG um, and uh, Pochettino too. I just want to say, like, that's a good big-time commitment for him, right? Because it, it was a little bit of a risk for him going there, right, Matt? Because he is risking, like, does Mbappe want to stay here? Does name What's Neymar's future? It's all a little murky, in my opinion. So good for them. That's all I have to say. Yeah, I think, look, I think there's there's an opportunity, right? If you want to, you know, kind of tie these two deals together, right? Maybe Neymar committing to PSG because obviously he doesn't feel that uh, he has many options outside of Paris. Then, yeah, you can make that case. But I think there's there's could be something there potentially for a messy um, reunion at this time, of course, um, in France, right? I think if you if you kind of look at everything with with a broader scope, broader lens, and you're thinking, yeah, okay, Neymar's options may be limited, but in a, in a other situation, who else in 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 world football would be able to take on Messi's wages, right? Because I think you have to kind of look at that as well. Because some of these deals, are <laughs> I mean, literally, connected. no one, not even Barca, could take. not not well, not not those <laughs> know, wages, not those wages, but I'm wages of a ass. player of that ilk, right? So <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll have to wait and see. I think with with Messi too, if just to kind of to tie the bow on that one, City, PSG. Serie A, maybe. I don't really know. I think he's maybe got two to three at most destinations that could be a fit from all aspects. I think City are still in the pole position to get him. Obviously, mm. Pep Guardiola is staying there. They potentially could win a title this year. They're playing really well. They're playing probably at the peak of their season. And so, I think the Cristiano thing, too, man. Yeah, that, that would that would be fascinating. Wouldn't it? I mean, he's gone. I would hope, I would he's pray in. to the Serie A gods. It's not Inter as a Milan fan, but I think if you're someone looking at this from a neutral perspective and you're thinking, well, Inter we got, got a, a Ronaldo Inter. Messi, we get Ronaldo Messi at, you know, obviously Messi in the situation going to Inter, of course, um, in a, in a Ronaldo Messi in Italy in the Derby d'Italia, like that would be like, wow. So that would be massive for Serie no, A as a brand. He's taking but, L. It's just Milan taking an L after making major leaps. I hate that. I hate it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I hate it. Martino, last thing before we, we, we wrap up, we wrap up with this episode. Uh, we we got to talk about what's going on at, uh, at Marseille, of course. My goodness. We Poor had Mo Mohamed Ali. on a couple times, <laughs> and, and he's been uh, – yeah, I don't want to rub it into him, but man, things are not going well. Nah. Of course, I'm, he had his, had his favorite club at uh, Marseille. Latest now being confirmed – that Andres Villas-Boas has turned in his resignation as manager, and I believe it's going to be accepted by the club. <sighs> Martino, get, get, let, let me hear what you, let me hear what you think about this because I, I was reading these 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 tweets from Mo uh, on my timeline and just the developments of what's going on at that club in the past couple of weeks between you know uh, the, the, the outbursts from the fans and just the, the performances in general. Just the it's a difficult time for them and. Uh, I want I want to I want to get your opinion first because obviously um you you become you have those those more animated rants and those more animated responses than I do so let, let me hear what you think. Listen, I mean anytime fans are going to the training grounds and throwing shit at players like you know it's not good. Like it's just not going well, you know. Um listen, this is it's been a well documented situation over there when you when we have Mo Ali on here I mean there really isn't anyone better to get a pulse on that 
Um, he he talked about it this morning on Twitter. It's like Bielsa just getting up and leaving. That is just it. And you know what? Now it's like one time. It's a, it's a, it's like an issue that something like that happens. But you're like, okay, we put it in the past. This is behind us. We're gonna move on. And then this happens because now Matt, you talked about narratives. This is a very strong and negative narrative towards Marseille. This doesn't make them look good. They're going to be losing one of their most talented players in Tovin this summer. Um, this is this is bad, man. This is really bad. Like, like none of it's under control. The manager that essentially did one of the best jobs in Europe last year, right? Like getting them back into the Champions League, doing a great job at that. They struggled to score a goal in the Champions League this year. I'm so sorry, Mo. Um, but I, like, it, you really struggled to find words when this is deeper than football, when you have fans and human beings going to training grounds, throwing stuff at players where players are getting hit with debris. Like, at the end of the day, you just got to tell people that you're like, chill the fuck out. This sport isn't everything. We've been sitting here in a pandemic year where everybody's locked in for a year. Millions of people have lost loved ones or friends close to them. And yet we're still having people getting upset at a football club, going to training grounds, throwing shit at players to the point where they're getting injured, having to go to the hospital. Then there's, you know, a manager having to resign due to the stress. Like, where has the perspective gone? Or where, was there ever any perspective to begin with? I think it's just on a human level, it's very, very disappointing. From a football level, it sucks. And it's like, what what can the club do at this point? Like, all those other factors with the fan, that's out of their control. Whatever happens on the field, like, you think, you like, seriously, to the fans of Marseille. And, you know, I don't know, I, I doubt that many French people listen to the State of Play podcast. But if you are... What can the club really control what goes on on the pitch? You really think they're purposely doing poorly? They're not doing that. They have a job. They, have, they want a reputation of being good, well-run footballers. They want to get results on the pitch. They're not purposely here to, to go out and sabotage everything on the field. It's, it's embarrassing. And this is a football issue, Matt. Like, this is – like, we see it all the time. This isn't the first time where fans show up and they're out of control abusing players you know we could go to the real madrid and the way like you know some of their fans treated gareth bale um the way fans go on social media and just treat them poorly we had players constantly all the time having to turn off their comments for people that just that they follow on social media because they're getting so much hate it's bigger than this these are human beings they're not robots you don't treat people like this like get it together have some perspective it's embarrassing. These are adults too, Matt. These aren't like, you know, even if it's 12 year olds or teenagers, it's unacceptable because you can, you should never be trying to harm people. But at the end of the day, there's also plenty of adults to have their hand in it. And it's truthfully disgusting and it's pathetic. And again, this is an environmental thing. That's an issue with football. And it's been happening for decades now, decades, Matt. And it's, it's really bad and it's sad to see. And it's not the last time we're going to see this. And it certainly wasn't the first time. So it's embarrassing. I feel for 
Marseille fans that want nothing to do with this. I feel bad for the players. I feel bad for AVB. Um, it's just horrible. It, it really is because now it's just at an emotional level that, you know, people are causing physical harm, emotional harm, mental distress. It's bullshit. There's no place for this anywhere and not even the sport or in any landscape or industry. 100%. I, I, could, I couldn't agree more with you, Martino. Um, of course, Marseille currently sit in ninth. So uh, it's clearly not just a matter of their actual league positioning. I think there's a lot more to this um, that we'll get more details as they come. Of course, we'll make sure we share them on our next episode. But I think we got to wrap it up there. Um, mm-hmm. Make sure you guys follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Santangelo. Uh, make sure you guys follow at State of Play Pod on all, so- all social channels, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Make sure you guys subscribe. Leave us a positive review. It helps us uh, grow. Goes a long way in helping us get to where we want to be. And Martino, take us off. Plug your socials and uh, anything else you're working on. Um, yeah, you could just um, follow me at Martino Puccio. Obviously, the work Matt and I do with Milan Reports, we're recording a little bit later today with AC Milan uh, New York City with our good friend Franco. Um so that's that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, you could follow the channel on Twitch at Milan Reports, trying to grow that. Me, Matt, myself, do uh, post game reactions that we were doing on State of Play. We do it there. Um, we also have the podcast that goes live on Twitch, which is always a lot of fun talking all things Milan. If any of you are interested or not, because you might be sick of all of it, um, I will be having some very exciting news. I only I know Matt and Pat probably the only ones that know that I work with on that level. Um, the rest are just a couple of friends that know about it and a couple of family members. So there's very big news that I'm very excited to share within the coming weeks. Um, so yeah, other than that, I mean, it's been great to have the support. We're at 2,100 followers now in state of play. We keep consistently getting over 500 uh, plays for every single episode. The Harry Brooks and Maxi. um, live stream went fantastic with pet too bad i couldn't really figure out what the hell happened with our stream yard <laughs> issue so we just went with restream so great job with pet um on that other than that we really just appreciate all of the support from everybody um and we hope to uh continue growing all right that's it guys bye for now